Well, hello everyone. This is Dr. Eileen and this is Medicine Walk. And for those of you who are listening in on Blog Talk Radio, this is Healing House Radio. So I hope everyone had a wonderful week. And as we continue our discussion of enlightenment, uh, please remember that I am in the chat room during the premiere of this episode. So if you would like to come into the chat room on YouTube, uh, you can ask me questions and I will be there to answer them. Otherwise, if you're on Blog Talk Radio, listening in on Healing House Radio, then you can leave comments at the bottom of uh, the episode. So, today we're going to be talking about the path of enlightenment. And so far we've talked about how it affects the, you know, what kind of processes that we go through as we're deciding, first, what does enlightenment mean to us as an individual? And second, what are some of the things that we can do to sort of, you know, begin that path? Now, uh, as I said before, any type of path, especially a path like this, part of it is, you know, finding that that sweet spot, that that goal point when you go, okay, this is it. I've reached it. The other part is how do I incorporate this into my everyday life and my everyday relationships? And so today we're going to be talking about relationships and how spiritual paths can have an effect on them. So when we think about, you know, that idea of, you know, that that place of spiritual oneness and enlightenment, often it is sort of a solitary viewpoint. It's, you know, the person who goes off into a cave by themselves and meditates for a month or someone who, um, you know, just kind of goes to like, you know, maybe a monastery or uh, some type of environment where there's a sense of isolation. Because part of that path is about looking inward. It's about focusing your energy, you know, to those places within yourself. Where are those places that are out of harmony that can be brought into harmony? And so it is very much about introspection. And at some point, uh, we re-enter the real world. We re well, real, definite air quotes on that. And there's a lot of opinions on that. Maybe we'll take that in another month. We'll start discussing real versus not real. But the idea of the everyday world, of the mundane world, uh, the world where, you know, we have to go grocery shopping and pay taxes and clean out the cat box and, you know, deal with traffic and all of these things. And most often people, when they're trying to seek enlightenment, they're trying to find a way to deal better with the, that mundane world around them, a way to be able to stay in a place of harmony, a place of balance, while not, you know, kind of getting sucked into the negativity and, and all those other things. And when people come to me and talk to me about it and, you know, they just say, it's like, look, I just want to be at peace. I just want to be in that place of peace and stillness and, and of love. And I don't want to go into those hard places, which, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, that is not something that people normally, you know, want to indulge in. And if we could all stay in our wonderful, happy places, just absolutely peaceful all the time, um, you know, for those who would embrace that, you know, that would be a goal. It's a very difficult one. It's not impossible, but it's very, very difficult. Uh, in my mind, it's enlightenment isn't so much about going there and staying there. 
it is about being able to be anywhere, anytime, and be able to not attach to what it is that's going on around you to the point where, you know, you can be objective about it. It's for me, enlightenment has a definite aspect of objectivity and balance. To look at something, it's like, okay, that person, you know, cut me off on the freeway to immediately go, okay, that was a thing, that was an event, moving on. It no longer matters. So whatever it means to you, you know, and once you've identified what enlightenment actually means to you, that's when we need to take a look at what it is that we can do to maintain that. And, you know, it's very easy up on the mountain and, and I have been on the mountain, you know, spent days on the mountain with, you know, no fire, no food, talking to nobody, you know, not so much as a wristwatch and just being there in that place of, of just being. And you come down off the mountain and the work is to be able to hold on to that, not have it be your perpetual state and being able to go back to it anytime you consciously choose to. So for me, it's not so much about it becoming the norm, but a tool that I can access at any time that I choose to. And I mean, for me, life is about feeling and experiencing, including things like anger and frustration and fear because some of my most inspirational moments have come when I was afraid. Some of the times that I, when I reached a place where I had to just surrender and face my fear and, and acknowledge it and talk to people about it and, and really just be with it, I have found that those are the moments that I felt the most profound personal growth. It wasn't wanting to avoid experiencing it. It was embracing the experience and surrendering to the authenticity of it. So if, if your goal is just to be able to experience the totality of an, of, of an event authentically, and then have the ability to choose in a split second okay, this is what I want to do with it. This is as much as I've learned from it. This is the experience. Great, wonderful, and now we're done with it. So um, consider that. Consider what it is that is your goal. Now, whenever anybody goes on a path, and a spiritual path is a tremendously transformative one, there can be challenges for relationships that existed, especially if they existed before you reach that place of, oh, wow, you know, suddenly I see the world in a much bigger way and I want to connect with these things and I want to talk about spirituality and, and psychic experiences, you know, however you want to hold it. Well, not everybody wants to talk about that. Not everybody embraces that. And often in relationships, uh, it can get very tricky. Because if one person suddenly has a spiritual awakening and the other one doesn't, um, that, can, that can become very complex in a relationship. Uh, the idea of what it is, the path that you're on is not necessarily the path of the person with you. And one of the challenges is 
that because you love your path so much and you embrace your path so much and you see it as such a positive thing, there's a natural desire to have that person who's important to you, who's close to you, who loves you and who you love. Well, you want them to walk that path too. You want them, you know, to experience that, that amazing feeling that you're having. The problem is it might not be their time to experience this. And it might not be their path or their way. Maybe, you know, maybe they even have their own way of practicing spirituality, but it's different from the path that you're following. And, you know, while this doesn't have to, you know, it, it's not a given that the relationship will end. It just means that it will have to be worked in a particular way. There has to be um, absolute respect for the other person and how, whether or not they want to leap down, you know, that particular rabbit hole. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're not quite ready for it. Maybe they think it's a little bit weird. And when there's that love and mutual respect, it's like, oh, okay, you can do this. It's your thing. I will support you in it. I just don't want to participate. So if, if, you know, we can be able to um, not overwhelm someone we're with. I mean, yes, when, when you start this path, I remember, God, over a decade ago when I began this. And, you know, actually it's been over 15 years when I formally began this. Um, it did, you know become something that it was all I wanted to talk about. It was all, I mean, I, you know, ate, breathed and, and just experienced it. I lived it because it was so new, because it was so amazing. And the person I was with, you know, had a very difficult time with that because it was not his path at that time. And, you know, it, it can be a, a difficult thing in a relationship. It, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a work relationship, um, often, you know, people in work environments, you know, you want to talk about it and, you know, there may be aspects of it that, you know, might be best kept out, kept out of the workplace. Uh, there's some tremendously personal transformative experiences that you may not really be able to feel appropriate to talk about. If somebody says, oh, well, you know, what, what did you do this weekend? And you know that, you know, you were in a sweat lodge and you did, you know, you know, any, any one of many types of ceremonies, it was deeply moving and, and you're still processing what happened and you're still integrating it. You know, maybe you don't feel like talking about it or, you know, maybe it's like, oh my gosh, I want to talk about this thing that happened. And especially in a work environment, you know, if people don't resonate with that, it can interfere with the work, your working situation and your work relationships. Um, generally, I, I believe that if you have like a deep spiritual experience and you feel you want to talk to somebody about it, kind of check in with yourself as to why you want to talk about it. Is it that, you know, you just want to share it? Is it you want to kind of, you know, brainstorm or, you know, kind of think out loud about, you know, what it means to you and, or it may have been like amazingly wonderful and you just 
feel like, I mean, in, in some cases, it's almost like the first time you fall in love. And it's that new love feeling where, you know, all you want to do is talk about this person and be with this person and, and interact with this person. And, you know, in a way, following a spiritual path is in, is in many cases, to me, like being in love. You know, it sort of takes over. And, you know, you learn after a while, it does mellow and it's not all you talk about. Um, I remember there was a time when uh, a young man came to a party and it was just a social party of some folks who were, you know, fairly, you know, active spirit workers. And his idea was, oh my gosh, I'm going here and these spirit workers and we're going to talk about spirit. We're going to talk about energy and we're going to talk about all this stuff. And I found him sitting off by himself later on in the party. And, you know, I asked him what was wrong. And he said that, you know, they didn't want to talk about that. They wanted to talk about sporting events and, um, you know, talk about, you know, who got a new lawnmower or, you know, the, the gas prices or whatever. And he was very upset that it was, it seemed so mundane. And so I explained to him, well, you know, yes, there is that point when people talk about, you know, their work and it is a work and we're still people. Everybody still has, you know, the aspect of being a spiritual worker or, you know, any type of, of, you know, participant in this sort of, of, you know, work or practice. It is part of you, but it is not all of you. And when you first start doing it, it is all of you. And then it sort of mellows and it calms down. And then it's like you get together and you talk about the new movie that came out or you talk about, you know, whatever, a sporting event or, um, you know, who's got another, a new car or, you know, relationships. And sometimes that can be a little bit difficult, especially for someone who's new into it. So as you move down your path of enlightenment, understand that not everybody is going to be on the same page as you. Some people are going to be, you know, they haven't even cracked the book open and others are starting on the next book. And that's okay because everybody, even the most experienced people, even the people who have reached that place of, of enlightenment, however it means to them, at some point, they hadn't cracked the book open yet. And so, you know, the more you do this work, the more you practice it, the more it just becomes just a regular part of the world. And as you, you know, work in, you know, that way, you learn how to, you know, separate, you know, just going out and going to a movie and having pizza and whatever, from, okay, you know, we're going to do an energetic clearing. We're going to be, you know, going into a deep place of prayer. We're going into an indigenous ceremony, you know, and then, you know, when you finish that, you know, you're talking together, you know, you're laughing, you're whatever, you know, you're being tired. And then you go back to your regular world because it is about walking between worlds. It is about finding that balance point so that, you can be able to walk with one foot in spirit world and magic and another foot in the world where you're paying taxes and cleaning the cat box and doing laundry and all of that. You know, 
once you reach a point where it's all the same and you see the magic even in cleaning the cat box and you can see the normalcy of sitting in meditation for hours and hours and hours, it all becomes one. And that takes a long time. And as you work this path of enlightenment that is your own, you'll have those points when these amazing, wonderful epiphanies happen and you'll want to share them. My recommendation is that you, you know, get to know other people who are sort of on a similar path. And that way, when you guys want to get together and talk magic and spirit and energy and, and all of that stuff, you can sit and do that to your heart's content and have those friends who are not a part of that world yet who you enjoy going to movies with, or maybe you like going bowling or miniature golfing or playing video games or, or whatever, because it's about balancing the two. It is about being in that place of enlightenment and that place of just being and hanging out. And when you can be able to balance those two and slide in between them whenever you feel like it, that's when you're getting to that place of the enlightenment. That's when you're getting to that point where it's no longer conscious, but just sort of neutral. And like I said, that idea of, you know, never having an angry thought or never having a sad thought or never having a fearful thought. If that is your definition, if that's, if that's what you establish as enlightenment, um, understand that's going to take a lot of work. You're probably looking at anywhere from you know, 20, 40 years. You know, maybe it'll happen faster. There are people who have spontaneous epiphanies of enlightenment, but usually those happen to the ones who are absolutely not looking for it. It is an epiphany moment. And yet you're going to have many, many, many epiphany moments. I don't believe enlightenment is a single, you know, a solitary point. I believe it's a state of being. And because it, we are living at, in, in this space, there's always going to be something to come in and challenge that balance point. Once we leave this life, it's a lot easier. Or in my mind, it's probably a lot easier. But as we walk and as we exist in this world, it's about being able to blend that spirit and that, you know, mortal, mundane, everyday world and having them exist as one. You know, it, it is the, wow, that happened, that sucked, that either pissed me off, made me afraid, or, you know, made me, you know, irritated or, or whatever. And now it's gone. And now I've let go of it and moving on. So I would say a good practice is, you know, having, you know, it, it, just those regular moments that come up. Somebody uh, cuts in front of you in the grocery line. Uh, somebody is, you know, kind of, you know, elbows pass you through a door. 
somebody cuts you, you know, swings their car in front of you without looking. Someone takes the parking spot that you, they know you were waiting for, you had signaled you were waiting for it, and they just zip into that parking spot. It is about experiencing all those things and being able to go, wow, I fully acknowledge the reality of that moment, the authenticity of that moment, everything about that moment, and I will not attach to it. I experience it, embrace it, learn from it, and let it go. So if that's where you're at, if that's what you're looking for as a part of your experience, um, that you will find a lot easier. Because it's not that you go, don't go there. You just don't put up a tent and set up camp. Uh, you don't carry it through the day. You don't go home and, you know, complain about it to somebody, you know, or whoever will listen. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're done with that. We're moving on. It no longer has value in my world. It no longer is something I choose to invest my energy in. And, and really, that's part of the key of it. Where do you choose your, to invest your energy and how do you choose to invest your energy? If you are able to be at peace with the fact that there's a lot that we can't control and if you can go, okay, I cannot control the fact that someone else did a jerky thing, okay, then you just accept it, that that's on them, that's their issue, and you move on. So consider what it is that um, your path is, your chosen path, and then look at the people around you in your world. How many of them share that type of search? How many of them have, maybe they've got a spiritual path, but it's a different tradition. And see, that's another piece to it. it for some, it's very easy to fall into when you kind of latch onto something that really, really works in some people, there's a tendency to kind of think that maybe your way is the way, or maybe you're in a relationship with somebody else who thinks that their way is the way. And I mean, and it can be subtle. It can be, it's like, oh, well, really, you do it that way? Well, you know, in, in my tradition, we do it this way. And, you know, anything from setting up an altar, the use of candles, what color people should wear while doing works, what time of day it should be at, what phase of the moon it should be. You know, every tradition carries their own uniqueness. And I have been blessed to be able to experience a lot of different ones. Often when I come into an experience, a new experience or a ceremony that I haven't been, the first thing I do is I walk up to either whoever brought me or whoever, you know, somebody who is a part of the leading group, introduce myself. I explain, or if somebody has brought me, I ask them to introduce me. I explain that I am very new to this and I ask for guidance. I ask for, you know, I, I want to be appropriate and I want to be respectful. So any advice you would give me on that would be greatly appreciated. And I think that that's probably why I usually get invited to a lot of ceremonies and, you know, I'm, I'm usually very well received because I come in from that respectful place. I don't come in saying it's like, wow, 
you're lighting the candles that way. That's not the way my tradition does it. And, you know, there's something wrong here. Even the energy of judgment into an environment, you know, can really throw things off. And people who are sensitive to that energy, especially those who are managing it, they know. And, and you know, usually that means there's not going to be a return invitation. So consider that if there's somebody whose path is separate but equal, then there can be a wonderful opportunity to learn about other experiences. I love learning about new and different ways of, of prayer and of meditation and of, of, you know, connecting with spirit. And so I love being able to, uh, you know, observe and witness different types of ceremonies. And I don't go in with any type of idea of how it should be or, oh, well, you know, that that looks wrong or that doesn't look appropriate. It's for them to say what's appropriate for their system. And, you know, as I said, when you're in a relationship with someone, you know, whether they're a spirit worker or whether they're, uh, you know, anything, respecting what their beliefs are, respecting what their boundaries are, and asking to receive respect for your, you know, traditions and your boundaries. As far as I know, there is no the way. I, I personally don't believe in the way. I believe that there are many ways and many rivers lead to the same ocean and many paths lead to the top of the mountain. And there's nothing I like better than learning about somebody else's path. And, you know, maybe that's a part of my definition of enlightenment is to learn as much as I can learn and to be able to accept and be able to be joyous in it and to recognize that each person is where they are for a reason. And if you're involved with somebody who, I mean, maybe they express a little curiosity about it, then let them keep it at curiosity. You know, don't try to say it's like, oh, okay, well, now they need to learn all of this and they need to meditate with me and they need to do all this. Maybe that's not their way. So establishing agreements about, okay, if I'm talking about this too much, which, you know, again, new folks tend to do, that it's okay for the other person to say, you know what, I really embrace this for you and I really don't feel I want to, you know, engage in a conversation about it. That's when you go find your spirit friends and you can talk to them all you want. But just always remember that this path is personal. This path is yours. This path is the way you're walking it. Maybe no one else is meant to walk it in that way. So, Understanding that everybody has their own pace, everybody has their own place, everybody has their own belief systems. That will allow you to be able to have much more harmonious relationships in the world as it is, in the world as you know we experience it, and it will still allow you to be able to enjoy that more etheric magical world that you have chosen to step into. So just consider, be respectful, be courteous, 
and expect respect and courtesy. If we can all learn to play nice, then maybe who knows? You know, when we don't push people into trying to get them to, you know, go along with our program, it's amazing how often that people will become curious and they might ask more questions or they might want to be more involved in it. But let them come to that in their way because you've got enough work on your own. So I hope this was helpful. Uh, we will have next week, we'll have our final discussion on, uh, on um, <sighs> enlightenment and I almost said empowerment, which, you know, there's a certain level of that in the work too. So next week we'll have our final discussion. October, we will start our new topic. And I hope that this has been helpful for you. Uh, if it has, and um, you're watching this after the premiere, please leave a comment. If you're on Healing House Radio, leave a comment. I do check the comments and I am happy to answer them. If there's a topic that you would like me to cover, we have October, November, and December. So we've only got three more topics that we're going to cover in this teaching series. So if you have a particular topic that you are burning to have me cover, please let me know. You can reach me in the description is my, uh, you can reach me through Twitter. Uh, you can also join up with the Facebook group, Medicine Walk with Dr. Eileen. And if you found value in this, then please hit like and subscribe because it's cool to see, you know, the community slowly grow. Uh, you could share this video. And if you wish to support me in a slightly bigger way, you can uh, go in the description. There's a link to my Patreon account. And for as little as $2 a month, you can sponsor this channel. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for being here with me. And whatever your path is, I wish you absolute joy on it. Because the whole thing is, is you don't have to do this. You get to. And as long as you can keep that idea, then it makes it a little bit smoother. So, take care, and as always, I wish you balance, and I wish you blessings from my heart to yours. Love you, and class dismissed. <laughs>